0: Go rebuild my church, which, as you can see, is falling into ruins." These are the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi from an image of Christ on the crucifix at San Damiano in 1205 A.D. These same words inspired Peter Doan, the host of the program you're about to hear. Peter challenges all of us to rebuild, not the brick and mortars of our church buildings, but our personal faith and relationships that will rebuild and strengthen the church. Now here's today's program. Hi, I'm Peter Doan.
1: And I'm Leslie Doan.
0: And you're listening to the radio broadcast, Go Rebuild My Church. In this broadcast, we explore ways to put into practice the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi by our Lord Jesus and how this theme is relevant as we seek to bring renewal to the church today.
1: Our passion for renewal was ignited when we came home to the Catholic Church 14 years ago, and that's when we heard the call to rebuild and joined efforts with many other renewal movements within the church.
0: Now you can learn more about our journey home and our lay apostolate dedicated to renewal in the Catholic Church by visiting our website at www.catholicdiscipleshipministries.org.
1: Our prayer is through the ministry of this radio program and our lay apostolate we can provide pathways for you to join the rebuilding process and experience renewal.
0: We want to welcome listeners joining us for the first time today. In our broadcast, we look at the sacred scripture, excerpts from the catechism, the lives of the saints, and the teaching of the church as we seek to challenge individuals, families, and local parishes to rebuild and renew the Catholic faith here in America.
1: And today, we continue our current series of broadcasts, Rebuilding a Missional Church. And in the last two weeks, we've shared what we believe is a wake-up call for the Catholic Church in the West. We covered a new report that came out on the state of our Catholic faith in Italy, which shows the Catholic Church is now in deep, deep decline. Well, we use this as a powerful example of why the call to rebuild a missional church is happening now.
0: Yes, Leslie, and Rome became the seat of authority in the early church, first because that's where St. Peter was crucified upside down, and St. Paul was beheaded, both for our great faith. Then later, the Emperor Constantine proclaimed in 313 AD the Edict of Milan, which declared Christianity a legal religion. He convoked the council also of Nicaea that formulated our Nicene Creed, and he also had the Church of the Holy Sepulchre built. So today, we're going to present the big picture of why we must rebuild the missional church. And again, the whole area of Rome and Italy was catalytic for us to think about these things.
1: Now, in our first two broadcasts, we laid the groundwork for this series by referencing two important Catholic prelates, Pope Benedict XVI, in 1969, as Father Joseph Ratzinger, did a radio broadcast on German radio, and there he predicted the church would go through a great pruning, lose significant numbers, and cultural influence. Yet during that time, he also predicted the church would grow in spiritual power, humility, and simplicity
0: yes he even said it would be hard going for the church as it would go through great suffering and once that is passed he said a great power will flow from a more spiritualized and a simplified church.
1: And we've certainly seen the church suffering right now, haven't we, Peter? Yes. Then last week we heard from a second voice, that of Cardinal Timothy Dolan. In the book that you wrote, Peter, Encounter Jesus, Transforming Catholic Culture in Crisis, you actually quoted Cardinal Dolan. In, In your book, you quoted him as saying that the most urgent pastoral need that we have now is to renew the luster of the church, to make it the light of the world and the salt to the earth. And then recently, in January of 2023, Cardinal Dolan once again pointed out that the Church is indeed facing what Father Ratzinger spoke and prophesied of. In fact, he called the former days of the Catholic Church the Church that he grew up in as used to be Catholicism. So we're no longer what we used to be, he said, as far as our influence upon the culture or our internal health and dynamic.
0: Yes, amen to that. He went on to point out What he believes is the solution. The church needs to make a paradigm shift, he said. A significant transition. And he mentioned three things, Leslie. Attitude, approach, and strategy. And the most accurate description of that shift, he said, is moving from maintenance to mission. With this as a background, our series of broadcasts will focus on how each one of us can become rebuilders of this missional church we see in the New Testament. Sacred scripture shows over and over again, and this is an important point that we want to make today, is that the Lord is not only a builder, but he is also a rebuilder. And we want to share some scriptures. There's a many, many scriptures that point this out, but Leslie and I want to now share a, a couple scriptures to get us thinking in this idea of the Lord as rebuilder. And first of all, it says in Isaiah 61, verse 4, this... Then they will rebuild ancient ruins. They will raise up the former devastation. And they will repair the ruined cities, the desolation of many generations. And here rebuilding calls us to consider the things, what they were like in ancient times, in biblical times. The Lord wants to rebuild a missional church.
1: Then in Micah it says, Verse seven uh, chapter seven verse eleven, it will be a day for building your walls. On that day will your boundary be extended. So when the Lord rebuilds, what Mike is saying is that boundaries are extended and influence is restored.
0: Yes, Isaiah fifty eight twelve is another rebuilding verse. Those from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up age old foundations, and you will be called the repairer of the breach the restorer of the streets in which you dwell. It's one of my favorite verses, Leslie, about rebuilding. And it calls you and I to volunteer individually to become rebuilders.
1: Well, let's jump into Jeremiah now. The theme continues. Jeremiah says, again, I will build you and you will be rebuilt. He's prophesying. um, The Lord is prophesying through him. Mm -hmm. Oh, virgin of Israel, again, you will take up your tambourines and go forth to the dances of merrymakers. And I love this verse because when God rebuilds, it restores joy and praise in his people.
0: Now, Leslie, there's a whole book in the Old Testament that speaks about rebuilding. It's the book of Nehemiah, and it's a history of the Lord rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem after it had been destroyed.
1: Well, Nehemiah says, you see this bad situation we're in, that Jerusalem is desolate and its gates burned by fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem so that we will no longer be a reproach.
0: Yes, in Nehemiah 4.1, it says this. Now, it came about that when Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became furious and very angry and mocked the Jews. In other words, Sanballat was there resisting the work of Nehemiah rebuilding. Uh, We'll note that later. And it says in Nehemiah 4.18, As for the builders, each wore his sword girded on his side as he built, and the trumpeter stood near me. And this points out, Leslie, that when rebuilding takes place, when we talk about rebuilding the church, there will always be resistance and spiritual warfare. The devil does not want the church rebuilt.
1: Then on he goes on to say in Nehemiah 4.17, those who were rebuilding the wall and those who carried burdens took their load with one hand doing the work and the other hand holding a weapon. There's that theme again, that yep. they were prepared for battle.
0: Yes, exactly. Those who were rebuilding the wall and those who carried burdens took their load with one hand of work and the other hand they held a weapon. And it just wasn't the leaders, but all the rebuilders had to enter into both carrying the burden to rebuild as well as spiritual warfare that comes from the rebuilding and it's interesting that every person in that rebuilding work in nehemiah each was then was assigned a place on the wall
1: well hopefully our listeners can hear the theme that the nature and character of god is to be both a builder and a rebuilder so we're going to take a short break now and when we return we'll take a look at the details surrounding jesus and his call to build the church and how the scene at Caesarea Philippi sets the stage for all of this. So please stay with us. You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood, in memory of their parents, Woody and Joyce Wood, and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their support.
0: Do you like game shows? How about trivia? You're listening to Catholic Radio, so I assume you're interested in the Catholic Church. Catholic Challenge 2.0 is the newest addition to our programming lineup here on Catholic Radio Indy. A 30-minute quiz show covering almost everything Catholic. Catholic Challenge 2.0 tests your knowledge and teaches at the same time. Check it out every Thursday afternoon at 4.30 right here on Catholic Radio Indy.
1: Welcome back to our radio program, Go rebuild my church. Today, we're continuing our series of broadcasts, Rebuilding a Missional Church. And in our last segment, we discussed that the nature of the Lord, shown throughout sacred scripture, is that he, he is a builder and a rebuilder we mentioned the book of nehemiah which is a great old testament picture of the heart of god to rebuild that which has been in ruins
0: and yes leslie in the theme of our broadcast we must remember that when the lord spoke to saint francis of assisi in 1205 a.d he said francis go rebuild my church for as you can see it is in ruins In other words, in order to rebuild, it's necessary, I believe, to go back to the original blueprint. That is where Jesus introduces us to his plan to, first of all, build the church. And that takes us to Caesarea Philippi. It becomes the frame. I I look at it, Leslie, as kind of a frame of a three-dimensional painting. And when we look at it, look at the scriptures in Matthew 16 and scrutinize it, we will see the beginnings of how to rebuild the church as missional, because this is the nature of the church, which Jesus built in the Gospels.
1: Well, let's begin, Peter, by providing some background on Caesarea Philippi. The history and the geography of this area is really key to what happened there. And it's interesting to note, as you've previously said on this program, that the church fathers would refer to the geography of the Holy Land as the fifth gospel. Yeah,
0: that's amazing, the fifth gospel.
1: In fact, Pope Francis recently referred to the Holy Land this exact way. He yes. said, making the Holy Land known means transmitting the fifth gospel. That is the historical environment and geographical area in which the word of God was revealed and then made flesh in Jesus Christ of and Jesus of Nazareth for us and our salvation. So, Peter, let's jump in and give us a good background of an overview of Caesarea Philippi.
0: So let's take our minds back into biblical days as we share and open up this area. Like a modern day resort, this city offered beauty, relaxation, but also hedonistic pleasure. It was located 150 miles north of Jerusalem, and Caesarea Philippi was far removed both theologically, morally, and socially from the strict Jewish culture that the disciples were living in in their physical distance.
1: And it's interesting that Jesus took them all the way up there, 150 miles.
0: Yeah, that's right. Caesarea Philippi is located at the convergence of two rivers. Also, there's melting snow there from... Mount Hermon, that provided water plunging from these rocky cliffs, giving the city almost like a majestic presence. And the area was surrounded by vegetation with grapevines, mulberries, and fig trees, and visitors could spend days there admiring the beautiful scenery. But Caesarea Philippi, Leslie, also had a dark side. It was the place of pagan worship and political power. The original name for the city was Panius in honor of Pan, the pagan god of shepherds and flocks. In fact, Herod the Great built also a temple there to honor Caesar and give Caesar worship.
1: And I I think it's interesting to note, too, that historians have identified up to 14 temple sites in that area, Yes. temple sites to um, idols.
0: Yeah. After Herod's death in 4 BC, his son Philip renamed the city Caesarea Philippi. Like many pagan gods, Pan was famous for his sexual exploits. Numerous drawings and statues depict Pan as a half man and a half goat, having sexual relations with nymphs, maidens, men and animals. So worshipers of fertility cults or agricultural gods engaged in sexual relations here, temple prostitutes in a sordid attempt tried to stimulate divine power in blessing their crops or herds. It's a very perverted place, Leslie. Pan is still considered, interestingly enough, by some pagan groups such as Wiccans as a symbol of male virility.
1: So let's talk about why Jesus might have led his disciples there.
0: Right. So we need to stop and think about all this for a minute. We can see that Jesus led his disciples to the mountains of Caesarea Philippi and the pagan temple of Pan where the gates of Hades spewed steam from these rocky cliffs. And from this strategic location, Jesus declared the foundation of his church and described its formation as a battle with the gates of Hades opposing the gospel's advance. Each person must declare an allegiance to Jesus Christ or the gates of Hades we implicitly see as we begin to look in this.
1: Well, as we were preparing, we talked at length about our visit to the Holy Land when we were on a pilgrimage, and we did get to go to Caesarea Philippi, and Mm -hmm. we actually got to visit the site where they believed Jesus um, had this encounter with his disciples and asked them, who do you say that I am? Yes, exactly. And we saw the cave there uh, where Pan... Pan's temple actually has been destroyed. But we saw the place where carved into the cliffs of Caesarea Philippi, um the temple was called the Gates of Haiti. And this this was the place where there was a cave. We actually stood right in front of the cave, and you took my picture there, Right, and it was believed to be the gate to the underworld, or Hades. And this is where they had detestable acts of worship, and they had made their commitment to these false gods. So when Jesus declared that the gates of Hades could not prevail against his church, we learned that quite possibly he and his disciples may have been looking at this pagan place of worship.
0: Yes, he had all this three-dimensional... Uh thing going on, Leslie, as he's talking to his disciples and it really helps us open up to see just exactly implicitly what he's trying to do here. So Caesarea Philippi has this great significance in the scripture as it is the opposite place where people would have imagined Jesus would make such a great revelation of both who he was and what he was going to do, that is, to build his church. Now there's two important things to note, I think, in this. First of all, Jesus reveals himself in a place that was known for pagan worshiping, signifying his reign and authority over other gods. And he shows that his father was the only one that deserves to be worshiped through him. Very important. Then secondly, Jesus' visit to Caesarea Philippi also signifies, I believe, his challenge to his disciples and to all Christians to both face evil and overcome it, Leslie, instead of hiding from it or denying it. This was the last place you could have found Jesus and his disciples as it was associated with evil. But by visiting the place and declaring that he would build a church, Jesus is telling us that his church will confront evil literally in the belly of the beast as that was signified there as a result of the paschal mystery.
1: Well, this is all just so exciting Mm -hmm. to learn about this and kind of dig into this, but I would like everyone to stay with us now because we're going to take a short break, and when we return, we will continue to discuss how Caesarea Philippi set the scene for the building of the church, and the lessons learned there will also set the stage for us to be a part of the rebuilding of a missional church. So please stay with us. You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood, in memory of their parents, Woody and Joyce Wood, and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their support.
0: Have you ever thought about joining the Catholic Church? Have you just wanted to explore the Catholic faith? All you need to do is call your local Catholic church for more information. We are always happy to help you in your journey to discover and learn more about the Catholic faith. We have classes that are almost year-round, and the classes and information sessions do not involve making a commitment, and there is no pressure to join. Please call your local Catholic parish for more information today and start the journey of one day possibly becoming Catholic as well. God bless.
1: You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church, and we welcome you back to today's broadcast. We're currently in a series called Rebuilding a Missional Church, and today we learn that the heart of God is to rebuild that which has been falling into ruins in our church. Just as Nehemiah was called to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, so we too are called to rebuild where the walls have been damaged in our church. The goal will be to rebuild a missional church. And in our last segment, we learned that Caesarea Philippi was the most unlikely place where Jesus chose to announce that he would build the church. It was where the pagan temple to Pan was located and waters and mist flowing out from the cliffs and caves gave it an eerie appearance. And that area, exactly where the cave is located, was referred to as the gates of Hades or the gates going down into hell. Right. So let's continue to discuss the details of what happened in that place and see how this is where we too must start to rebuild a missional church.
0: And I think a great place for us to really look into this in a deeper way is by reading the scripture that provides this three-dimensional painting that we're looking at today. So in Matthew 16, verse 13, the scripture says this, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. So he begins here by first of all saying, who's everybody else saying that I am at this point? What are you hearing out there, so to speak, as my disciples? Then he turns to them and he says to them, but who do you say that I am? And of course, Simon Peter spoke up and he answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hades will not prevail against it and i will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven and then at the end he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the messiah very powerful scriptures there and that sets the picture of what we're talking about and drawing ourselves to today.
1: But we want to go back now and really look carefully at the question that he asked them, the disciples, and what the answer was.
0: So when Jesus took them to this place, Caesarea Philippi, he brought them to the place that symbolized paganism, idolatry, perversion, and even hell itself and hell's kingdom. And in that context, we just read the question he posed to Peter in that place, he also believe, Leslie, poses to each of us, you and me, and all of us as our listeners. He asks each of us that same question, who do you say that I am? And I believe that each of us need to decide if we, of course, believe that he's the Messiah, the Son of God, and make a personal Intimate and direct confession of who Jesus is, just like Peter did. Peter is leading the way, and we're and literally we're going to copy. We need to copy both in words and in our hearts what Peter said. And I thought, Leslie, as I was preparing for this, that during the Easter season we renew our baptismal vows. You remember the priest goes around the church and everybody gets sprinkled. And I've heard a lot of. Catholic thought leaders say that we as Catholics don't take that time seriously enough because what the church is really calling us to do is to renew our baptismal vows of what we're talking about here today. It's just not a little sprinkling uh, time, but it's a time where we really renew our confession. The question must be answered the exact same way as I mentioned as St. Peter answered that question. And I believe if the church is to be built or rebuilt on anything less than a direct encounter followed by a clear confession... It says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, as a matter of fact, St. Paul reminded us that if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. That is the starting point, not only here when Jesus was going to build the church, but it's our starting point if the church is to be rebuilt and it become a missional church.
1: What's interesting today is... I was reading the Magnificat, my private uh, personal morning devotions in the Magnificat, and in today's meditation, Pope Benedict XVI also made this the starting point. And he emphasized the importance of making a personal, direct confession of who Jesus is. He was recounting the story of Nathanael's encounter with Jesus in John 1, 45 through 51. When Nathanael asked Jesus, how do you know me? Jesus answered, before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. Nathanael answered, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Pope Benedict then opened up the scripture, saying, Nathaniel's heart was moved by Jesus's words, and so he answers with a clear and beautiful confession of faith. In this confession is conveyed the first important step in the attachment to Jesus. So he called it the first step as well.
0: And if we're trying to get anything across today, Leslie, that's what we're trying to say. To rebuild the missional church, we must take the first step towards Jesus Christ just like St. Peter did when he was at Caesarea Philippi. And it reminds me of my dad's testimony uh, that for years he was a practicing Catholic and he was a leader in the parish. He was on the finance council and he stacked the library with books, etc. But then he had a severe heart attack and during that period of time, he came to a place where he was on death's door. And it was during that time that the Lord really came to him and spoke to his heart. And he too, during that time, made a light confession about who Jesus was and giving his life over to Jesus. And he said, I hadn't quite gotten the point up till that time and experience but from then on my father was a radical catholic christian and he found that point of entry the same thing that peter was did at at caesarea philippi and he became a great example to me and i think that it was through his prayers even as he went to passed on and went to be with the lord that brought me back to the catholic church as well
1: Well, Peter, let's pause now and pray for our listeners um, that they can also have this encounter with Jesus in a personal and direct way.
0: Heavenly Father, we thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for the Holy Spirit writing this whole situation. It's Caesarea Philippi that's so foundational to the Catholic Church, to Peter's encounter, to him being called to be the uh, first pope and for him to be given the keys to the kingdom. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would continue this process of rebuilding in our day and in our generation. And I pray that you would draw each one of us to that personal encounter and to renewing that encounter, whether it's during the Easter time when we renew our baptismal vows or in the quietness of our own hearts but lord bring us to that place where we continue to say yes to jesus thou art the christ the son of the living god in jesus name in the name of the father son and holy spirit amen
1: Well, thank you, listeners, for joining us today. And just make sure to download the Catholic Radio Indy app from your app store and listen 24-7. And make sure to become a regular listener of Catholic Radio Indy. Goodbye for now, and keep keep the the faith. faith.
0: You've been listening to Go Rebuild My Church with Peter Doan. Podcasts of this program are available at www.catholicradioindy.org. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy.